This Sunday is the 28th Sunday at Ordinary Time, and the Gospel is about Jesus' encounter with ten lepers. He sends them to the priests. They find they're healed, and on the way, only one returns, and that one is a Samaritan. We should be grateful to God for his gifts. That's clearly part of this gospel and its meaning. But is there something else going on here? You know, Jesus is often compared in the New Testament to the great prophets of the Old Testament. Elijah was a prophet that, if you read the first and second book of Kings, is very prominent because of his stand against an evil king, Ahab, and his queen, Jezebel. But Elijah had a disciple named Elisha, that when Elijah, with the J, was taken up to heaven in a fiery chariot, he gave a double portion of his spirit to Elisha. Well, in First and Second Kings, if you count it up, Elijah has 14 miracles and Elisha has 28 miracles. So is Jesus just one-upping Elijah and Elisha? Because Elisha healed only one leopard, and that was a man named Naaman, who was a Syrian general. Israel, that's where Elisha lived, and Syria were often at war. In fact, Naaman had a slave girl he'd seized on a raid into Israel. Naaman's problem, and what is the subject of the story of Elisha, healing a leper is that uh, he is a he contracts leprosy and so he's uh, wondering what to do and the slave girl says to him that in her home country of Israel there are people called prophets who can heal disease so Naaman who apparently is a feared general writes to the king of Israel and says that I have been told that there are prophets in your country that can heal diseases I have a disease of leprosy. Well, the king in Israel said, oh, gosh, uh, how can I uh, say no to this guy? If I say no, we're going to have another war. But only God can heal lepers. Well, Naaman is not going to be put off, and he comes with his whole entourage, his guards and the slave girl, down to the capital, Samaria, and there he gets an audience with the king. And the king clearly pawns him off and tells him to go and see the prophet Elisha. So in 2 Kings, Naaman's entourage winds down the increasingly narrow streets of the capital of Samaria until he comes to this little hut out on the edge of town. And I always imagine Elisha coming out with skinny, hairy little legs in a crummy bathrobe, holding a I love Israel coffee cup in his hand, and Naaman demanding to be cured. And Elisha responds very quickly. Okay, don't just go down to the River Jordan, uh, dip yourself in seven times, and you'll be cured. Well, Naaman's from Syria. Syria is the land of great rivers. If you've ever been to the Jordan River, it is a slow-moving, icky green. And Naaman, who is not happy with what Elisha told him to do, decides, I think, in a, in a fury, just to go home. And on the way home, they're traveling by the Jordan River. And one of his servants says to him, you know, your worship, why don't you just try it and see what happens? So Naaman, who is tired of being a leper, gets out of his chariot, walks down to the river, and dips himself in seven times. And you guessed it, the seventh time, he came up with his skin as smooth as a baby's skin. 
And he says, truly, there is no God but the God of Israel. It's a testament of faith from a Gentile. So this story in Luke is also about Jesus and a Gentile. As ancient Israel was an enemy of ancient Syria, so the Judah of Jesus' time was an enemy of the Samaritans. The Samaritans were the leftovers from the invasion by Assyria in about the 7th or the 8th century. And they were hated by the Jews because they had parts of the Old Testament. They claimed to be the original people of the law. But since they did not worship in Jerusalem at the temple that King David had set up, the Jews would not accept them. And so when Jesus is encountering Samaritans through all the Gospels, he generally gets a fairly hostile reception. You know, the Samaritans are still there offering sacrifice at Mount Gerasim, which is near Samaria. And you can go on YouTube and watch them, and it's a very Old Testament-looking uh, ritual that they do where they offer live animal sacrifices at dawn. But that's not today's story. In today's story, Jesus says to the ten lepers who cry to him from afar, they cry, Jesus, have mercy on us. And Jesus says, go show yourself to the priests of the temple. Why does Jesus say that? Because in all of his other healing stories, Jesus says, be healed. Or he says, your sins are forgiven. Or he says, rise and walk. Or he reaches out and touches them, especially if they're unclean. There's some things you need to know about leprosy in the Old Testament. In the book of Leviticus, uh, leprosy is given two chapters. And uh, the first chapter really describes what leprosy is. When we think of leprosy, we think of the modern disease of Hansen's disease, which is debilitating and ends in death. St. Damien of Molokai died as a leper after serving lepers. But leprosy in the Old Testament it probably includes Hansen's disease, but it's a much broader category. It's any kind of discoloration, especially whitish discolorations of the skin. And in Leviticus 14, there's very detailed uh, instructions as to what's supposed to happen uh, to lepers. And so a, someone who has been declared a leper has to leave town because leprosy is considered a very highly contagious disease. And so Leviticus 13 says that the leper who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone in a habitation outside the camp. Leviticus chapter 13 verses 45 to 46. Horrible. Kicked out of town. But these lepers, who are Jews, at least nine of them are, cry out to Jesus, not unclean, unclean, but Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when Jesus responds, go show yourself to the priests, this is what he means. In chapter 13 and 14 of Leviticus, it says this, And the Lord said to Moses, This shall be the law of the leper for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall make an examination. Then if the leprous disease is healed in the leper, the priest shall command them to take for him who is to be cleansed two clean birds and cedarwood and scarlet stuff and hyssop. 
and the priest shall command them to kill one of the birds in an earthen vessel over running water. He shall take the living bird with the cedar wood and the scarlet stuff and the hyssop, dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water, and he shall sprinkle it seven times upon him who is to be cleansed of leprosy. Then he shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird go into the open field. And he who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes and shave off all of his hair and bathe himself in water, and he shall be clean. And after that, he shall come into the camp, but shall dwell outside his tent for seven days. And on the seventh day, he shall shave all his hair off his head. He shall sit, shave off his beard and his eyebrows and all his hair. Then he shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and he shall be clean. Wow, that is a big deal. And so when Jesus tells them to go to the priests at the temple, this is what those nine lepers are running off to. But the one leper is a Samaritan. What's going on there? Can he show himself to the priest? Here's what the Samaritan does. He comes back and he does two things. Like Naaman, he praises the God of Israel, literally glorifies him, and then he falls at Jesus' feet. What's the difference between falling at Jesus' feet and worshiping and worshiping God? Well, in the Gospel of Luke, there isn't a difference. And so here's what Jesus says. Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? The word foreigner is a word in Greek, alagenes, which occurs only one time in the New Testament, and it's in the Gospel of Luke. Interesting and fun fact. In the 19th century, the British archaeologists were doing digs on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, and they found a stone tablet called the Sorig Stone. The Sorig Stone was a stone that hung on a wall within the temple compound, which is uh, there where the Al-Aqsa Mosque is now. In the temple compound, it was organized into different courts. There was a court where anyone could go. It was called the Court of the Gentile. Then there was a balustrade, that is a wall, that separated the Court of the Gentiles from the Court of the Israelites. The Sorig Stone hung on that wall separating Gentiles from Israelites. And here is the modern translation of that stone, which I think is in the British Museum. Quote, No stranger is to enter within the balustrade round the temple and enclosure. Whoever is caught will be himself responsible for his ensuing death. So why does the Samaritan come back? Well, he wasn't going to be able to see a priest anyway. He wasn't going to be able to get the cleansing under the, uh, the Torah that's uh, referred to in chapters 13 and 14 of Leviticus. And so he goes back to the one who heals him. This is a story about Jesus reaching out to the Gentiles, that is you and I, the, non, uh, the non-Jews, and that that wall separating the Gentiles from the Jews, the Gentiles from the Israelites, has been torn down by Jesus. And so what are we to do with this story? Well, obviously, we should give thanks. Obviously, we should worship God. That's why we come to Sunday Mass. But you know, Catholics sometimes stay away from the confessional, like the lepers stood at a distance from Jesus. They may want to be forgiven. They may be sorry for their sins. But have you ever thought of the confessional 
as the equivalent of the lepers going to the priests in the temple to ask for cleansing and receiving a public declaration from the priest that they are now clean? Because that's what the confessional offers to the Catholic, to the person who's sorry for their sins. You know, the fathers of the church often referred sin to leprosy. Why? Because it disfigures. Sin disfigures like leprosy disfigures. And in our own lives, we can see the distortion of sin in our lives. But something more, sin is highly contagious. Bad example catches on easier than good examples sometimes. And so to think of the story of the 10 lepers and the great gift that each of us has been given in both our faith in Christ and the gift of the confessional. And so everyone needs healing at some point in their life. The work of the Lord continues in the work of the church and the work of the church continues in the confessional.